Well, that's what we've been talking about, crazy faith. That was the first week. And then uh, last week we talked about baby faith and how every single person here you could leave today with mustard seed size baby faith. It's not something that takes decades. It's not this unattainable uh, mountain that you have to climb that takes decades of your Christian experience. Um, all of us can have baby faith. And today we're going to talk about, whoops, I went the wrong way. You know what? That's the last slide. Can you put it on the first one? Um, we, want, we want to talk about maybe faith. Um, and maybe faith is, is this faith when, when we just aren't sure. And in some ways, that's what faith is, right? If it's a certain thing, if it's 100%, then it's not really faith. And uh, so talking about maybe faith, um, I was thinking of, of some examples of this. But how do we know when I'm, I'm living by faith or walking by faith and sh I should do something or maybe I shouldn't do something and I should wait and be patient. One of the things I pray a lot of times is, God, help me not to run ahead of you and help me not to drag my feet behind you because there is, there is, a, you know, there is this uncertainty sometimes on what God wants us to do, right? So, so there are certain things in the Bible that are very clear, 100% sure. Um, thou shalt not steal. 100% sure you should not steal, all right? It's in God's word. It's very clear. But then there's some maybe stuff. That, that another 100% another sure, if you, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I am 100% sure of that. Take that to the bank, no doubt whatsoever. But so many things in our lives, where do I work uh, how do I, where do I live? Is this, should I sell my house? Should I, should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Should I go to this church? There, there's all this stuff and there's a lot of ambiguity there. Um, and that's where maybe faith comes in. And I think some Christians do a disservice and hurt themselves by, by misrepresenting some of the verses we've looked at recently. So Jesus, last week, we looked at in Mark chapter 9, where he says, you know, if you believe, anything is possible for those who believe. And the man says, I do believe, help my unbelief. It was kind of, he kind of had this maybe faith, and Jesus was saying, you need to really believe. And in the name of really believe, we say all sorts of things that we shouldn't be so certain about. Here, here's an example. I got a letter from a, a church up in the Endicott area, and the pastor is actually pages long, and I don't know why I was on his mailing list, but he sent it out to hundreds of people, and I was on his mailing list, and he said, God told me that we need to pave our parking lot and expand it and raise a million dollars for that. And I have nothing against churches paving their parking lots, but God told you? You know, in fact, a couple of years later, God told him to quit his job as a pastor and go work at a coffee shop in another state. You know, there, in 1987, some of you, Oral Roberts University, they were just in the, the, you know, big NCAA basketball tournament a few months ago. But Oral Roberts in 1987, he stood up, he had a TV ministry, and at the end of one of his sermons, he stood up and he was crying and tearfully revealed to, to those who were watching. He said, if I don't raise $8 million for my city of, of faith medical um, building or 
program or ministry. If I don't raise $8 million in the next three months, God will call me home. So basically he's saying, so if you don't give me $8 million, God's going to kill me. Really? And I was really, I was really excited. I'm like, I want to see how this works. But unfortunately, $9.1 million came in and he lived another 22 years. And I was like, oh man, I really wanted to see. What are you going to do? Um, th this is how maybe a little bit more practical way. And I, I heard this when I was in college and a young man, and I've heard this since. And, and it's, it's this idea. As a young man says to a woman that he really likes, he's like, I know God's will for you, baby. me. God told me we're supposed to be together. And, and so when people do this kind of thing and say, God said, and I'm 100% sure it was the voice of God, what they're doing, I think, is they're adding the scripture. In, it, right from the very beginning, Moses in Deuteronomy, he says, do not subtract from scripture just because you don't like it. You can't just erase that part of the Bible out. And do not add to scripture either and say, thus saith the Lord, when God didn't say anything. And, and I think when we do that, when we say, by faith, I'm claiming this. Well, are, are you absolutely sure? Maybe you shouldn't be so sure because one of the marks of a godly person is humility and teachableness. And if you're telling people, God said, oh, you're not arguing with me, man. You're arguing with God about this parking lot. No, you're, <laughs> that's not the way it is. So this is where maybe faith comes in. And if you're taking notes, uh, the app notes, if you have the Bridgewater app, there's there's a couple points you can take notes with. This is actually the, um, I'm going to start with some of the last points first. But first of all, the faith formula, what faith is, faith is not just belief in something, right? Two couple weeks ago, Josh Edwards, he said, can you believe I can hold a four-month-old baby standing and balance them in one hand? And he had pictures to prove that he could do it with his own kids, you know? And um, you don't remember that. You were three or four months old. But, but uh, Lainey didn't want to trust him with her baby, and I wouldn't have trusted him with mine, right? That's the difference between belief intellectually and trust. And so that's what faith is. And maybe faith is faith at 51%. So it's faith in saying, I think probably God wants this to happen. I'm not sure, but I'm going to step out in faith anyway. And this is a very important faith because most of the decisions in our life are not in the Bible. God gives an incredible amount of freedom and so often we just don't know for sure. And we can be paralyzed by indecision when God wants us to move. And so just to illustrate this, I want to look at two stories in the Bible. And the first one is the father of faith, Abraham. And when we meet up with him in Genesis chapter 12, he's called Abram because God hasn't changed his name to Abraham yet. And this is taking place almost 4,000 years ago. This is an incredibly ancient story. And the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Sometimes we read these stories and we don't really think about what it actually meant. So as far as we know, Abram, has never heard from God before this. Doesn't know who he is. Joshua 24.2 actually says that 
um, Abram's family worshipped other gods. They didn't worship the Lord. They worshipped the gods of, of Chaldea and where they lived in Iraq at the time. They, they didn't know who God was. And so Abram hears this voice and says, leave your country, your people, and your father's family. That's a big ask. Because I don't know if, how familiar you are with the Middle East right now. Syria, Iraq, Palestinian territories, Israel, not exactly the safest place in the world. Back 2000, 1900 BC, it was the wild, wild Middle East. It was worse. And there were no international treaties and there was no international law or, or I mean, the only thing that protected you was your tribe and your family. And, and he's going to leave all that? And go somewhere? Where? He had no idea. God goes on and says, I will make you a great nation, which was quite a promise to a man who is 75 years old and no kids. So he's paying attention. I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Great promise. Amazing promise. And Abram based upon that conversation with God, left everything he had. Here's my question is, how sure was he that that was the voice of God? If I was Abram, I would be thinking, maybe in the morning I'd be like, that was God, man, and I'd make the preparations, and then the weeks go by and the months go by, and then I'm thinking, you know, I did have that really, that burrito with pickles on it the night before, you know, or how, how do I know that was the voice of God? Well, maybe that was the voice of a demon, right? It was supernatural, maybe, or, or maybe it wasn't supernatural. And, I, I, you know, and I'm not sure if Abram could have been 100% sure about this. Maybe he was, and maybe you, you have all this faith in Abram, the father of faith. Ah, he knew, yeah, absolutely, he was 100% certain. And if he was 100% certain of that, then surely he wasn't 100% certain about all the different particulars. Abram, tell us about this God. I really don't know much about this God. We know he doesn't know much because later on, God says, I want you to child sacrifice. I want you to kill Isaac. And he's like, okay. Now, we know God would never let him do that. But he didn't know God very well. And so, tell us about this God. I don't know. Tell us about where you're going. I don't know. How long is it going to take? I don't know. I, I, this is a crazy plan. And that's where maybe faith comes in. Maybe faith is faith at 51%, and it means moving and allowing God to direct your steps. Maybe faith moves. If you are, now, if you're 51% or greater sure that God doesn't want you to do something, then don't do it. But if you're pretty sure God wants you to do something, you need to do it. And, and this is Abraham, what he does. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And, and so we need to move. An object in motion is easier to direct than an object not in motion. I, I remember when I was in high school, I was a junior or a senior, and our gym class uh, was, was handed off to our history teacher. So our history teacher taught P.E. for a couple months, a month or two, and he taught us judo. Now, judo is not like karate. Karate is a lot of striking. Judo is using someone else's 
strength and energy and momentum against them. So it's a lot of pulling and tripping and leverage and things like that. And so we learned how to fall. We learned a couple basic moves. And then the last class, Mark Mosley, he said, okay, not the football kicker, um, but he was a little guy. He was shorter than me, which is saying something. So he's like, okay, last class, I want to show you how this works in real life. I need a volunteer. When your judo instructor asks for a volunteer, not a lot of takers, you know? Are you going to hurt me? And so he looks at me, and I'm like, <laughs> it's like, Bob, there we go. Why don't you come up? And so I'm like, I'm like are you going to hurt me? He's like, no, I'm not going to hurt you. And he's like, I want you to come at me and tackle me. I'm like, okay. He's like, no, 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 not like that. Not this tentative thing. He's like, first time in your life, you can take out your teacher. He's like, you can come at me as hard as you want. Just try to take me down. I'm like, so, he's like, yeah, don't, don't cooperate with me. Just try to take me down. I'm like, okay, you're not going to hurt me. No, I'm not going to hurt you. All right, you ready? And I, I came at him as fast as I could, and it surprised him. I know that because he almost threw me completely off the mat. As I came at him, he, he had quick hands. He grabbed my arm, like right there, dropped to the ground on his back, put his foot in my chest, and threw me head over heels. I have never been airborne that far in that long. And literally, yeah, I almost was off the mat because I, I was, he used all that momentum. Now, now if, if Mr. Mosley, 35-year-old school teacher, five foot six, if he had come up to me and tried to pick me up and throw me over his head, there's no way he could have done that, you know? But because I was in motion, he was able to do whatever he wanted with me, you know, and direct me in that direction. And this is what God wants in your life. If you're moving, then God can direct you better than if you're just, than if you're just paralyzed by fear and, and not doing what you know or what you suspect he wants you to do. Uh, maybe faith is okay with maybe. And, and here's, here's what maybe faith does. Maybe faith believes that it may be God until it proves to be God. So I'm not sure this is what God wants, but I'm going to take a step and then another one and another one until, I, then, until it proves, no, this is what God wanted me to do. Or it proves, no, this is not. So even, let me, let me apply this in three ways. Number one, my marriage to Becky. So before I married Becky, we were married almost 27 years ago. Before I married her, I was not 100% certain we, we should be married, right? In fact, in that, you know, after I was 51% sure, 75% sure, I asked her, will you marry me? And when she said yes, my percentage increased. <laughs> like, okay. All right, I think because if, I would, if you ask someone, will you marry me? And then they move to another state and marry someone else, pretty sure that wasn't God, right? Um, so so that, 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 you know, I was pretty sure, I was kind of sure, I was, but let me tell you, I wasn't 100% sure before we got married, but I'm 100% sure now. And I was 100% sure last week, and I was 100% sure 25 years ago. And, you know, it just proved, I, I, I thought it was what God wanted, and so I took that step until it proved that that was what God wanted. Uh, an, another example was moving here. 
So what made me quit my job, move my family from Johnson City to Montrose, was I absolutely certain that the call of God was on my life to come to Montrose? No, I wasn't. 16 years ago, guys like Reggie Russell and Rick Craig were talking to me and saying, you know, hey, you need to pray about this. Maybe this is what God wants. Maybe. And I remember the vote, I think it was in October or September. And I remember talking it over with Becky. What, what do we move on? If, if they vote 51% in favor, we're not coming because it means half the church doesn't want me, you know? And so we decided, and we just picked it out of thin air, let's say 90%. There's 73 people there. If eight people say no, then, then maybe that's God's way of saying we shouldn't come. But what, boy, what if, what if nine people say no and 64 say yes? Like, is that, like, boy, it's, and we just didn't know. We weren't 100% sure. And the vote came back, 73. Three to one or 72 to one? 72 yeses. <laughs> one no. Um, and then we were more sure. So it wasn't 100% sure. But I tell you what, now I'm 100% sure that's exactly what God wanted us to do. Ten years ago, 100% sure that's exactly what God wanted us to do. Actually, ten years ago was when we, we tried kicking people out of our church. And I would love to kick some of you out of our church in a good way, we said, let's start a new campus in Halstead. And so we tried to recruit as many people as possible to leave and go to Halstead. And 30 said, let's go. And then 20 were made to go because they were the children of the 30 that were going. And they didn't really get a vote. And, and those 50 people left. And we had a great like preview service. And then the grand opening was great. And we had, I don't remember, 150, maybe 170 people. I don't remember. And then, but then we had like 100 people. And then we had 90-some people. And then we had 80-some people. And, and we didn't know. And we had meetings, Pastor Andrew, Brett, myself, others. And we said, when do we pull the plug? Because maybe this isn't. Maybe this isn't what God wanted us to do. And the first six months, no one got saved in Halstead. But I tell you what, now, 10 years later, 100% sure it's what God wanted us to do. Right? Hundreds of people saved. Hundreds of people attending this Sunday morning over in Halstead. Matt Pusser's the campus pastor, doing a great job. And, and now it's because it proved to be God. But when you take those first steps, a lot of times you don't know. We had a, a potential candidate for a pastor in this last week, and he's visited some of our campuses. You know, the Bible says sometimes you may entertain angels unaware. Well, you may entertain a future pastor unaware as well. And uh, we need a campus pastor in Vestal, in Conklin, and pretty soon we'll need one in Tunkhannock as well. And so we're, we're looking, and this, this young man, one of the questions he asked me in interacting with a lot of different people in the church and he asked me, he said, what if I, 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 I have this plan and this idea to try to reach the community I'm in, the, the, the church, the, the, the Bridgewater campus that I'm, I'm leading, and we try to reach the community, and it fails. What, what, what will be the response if I try and fail? And I said, I'd say join the club. 
Man, we've all failed. I've had ideas. I say, man, this will be a great idea. We need to do Awana on Friday night. I'm okay with that. Let's try that. Friday night is the worst night of the week to do a children's program. Okay, it just didn't work. You know, you know, and so just along the way, you just try things. In fact, I would say failure, this is maybe too much of a cliche, failure is not an option here at Bridgewater. Failure is a necessity. Because if you move at 51%, almost half the time you're going to fail. And if you move at 75%, one out of four times you're going to fail. And that's okay. Because maybe faith, that's what maybe faith does. If it's a sure thing, you don't need faith. Just take that next step. That's one of our, our core values. It's out in the lobby. It's on the wall. It's something we actually believe in. We just don't put it on the wall. But everyone has a next step. What is, what is spiritually um, and, and maybe relationally or whatever, what is your next step? You need to take it. Maybe faith. Faith of 51% moving. And the biggest obstacle to faith in general is not doubt. We talked about this last week. Doubt is as necessary to faith as, as fear is to courage, right? If, if someone does a courageous act or what it looks like a courageous act but was never had any fear, it wasn't courage, they were just crazy, right? And if someone looks like they're doing something by faith but they had no doubts, 100%, then it's not really very much faith, is it? Because the greatest faith is when you act in the face of doubt, and yet you do it anyway. And, and, and that's, that's the obstacle. And there's another story I want to look at together with you about the disciples. Five of the 12 disciples, at least, were professional sailors. And so you see them on the water every so often with Jesus and, and here's the story. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped and Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, if I was in the boat and I woke Jesus, I could possibly be um, exaggerating the danger we were in because I don't know anything about sailing. But five of these guys, they were professionals on the water and they knew a widowmaker when they saw it, and they were saying, we're going to die, and Jesus is sleeping in the stern, and so they wake him up, and what does he say? He's got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still, and then the wind died down, and it was completely calm, and he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. What are they terrified of? There's no more waves. There's no wind. The storm's over. Why are they terrified? They're terrified of Jesus. Say, oh, they shouldn't have been scared of Jesus. Jesus isn't dangerous. Jesus was the most dangerous human being to ever walk the face of the earth, and they were right to be terrified. In fact, they didn't even know at this point who he was yet, that he was the creator of the universe. If they knew, they would have been, they would have been even more terrified. They said to each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The fear of God has come upon hard times in our culture. And we have so many Bible teachers who say, oh, no, 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 you don't need to fear God. The word fear actually means respect. 
Okay, the Bible was translated by Hebrew and Greek scholars and Aramaic scholars as well. It was written in those three languages. And they know what words mean. And fear is mentioned hundreds of times in the Old Testament, how we need to fear God. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You cannot have wisdom without the fear of God. Ecclesiastes ends this whole book about the purpose of life. And he says, let's hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the entire duty of man. Fear of God. And one of the problems, though, with the fear of God is, I think we fear God in the wrong way. You shouldn't be afraid that God won't love you. You should be afraid of what will happen if you don't love God. Because if you don't love God, you're sick. You're sick with something, that an illness that I have, that every human being on earth has. It's called sin, and it's contagious. And when I sin, it, it encourages others to sin, and it spreads sin, and it multiplies, and it hurts people. And God says, I, I'm going to wipe out this sin, but there's only one cure, and it's loving me. And if you love me, you'll love others. And, and this is the cure for sin. And if you don't want that cure, then you need to be quarantined for all of eternity. And that's what hell is. This, this whole isolation season that many people just went through, to be completely isolated and alone, all by yourself, with no one, it is truly a torture. Not even an animal to comfort you. Because if you, if you have this sickness, God says, I need to separate you from others who you will hurt because sin hurts others. And I need to, I need to I need, so that you can't manipulate and you can't uh, hurt and, and damage anyone else, you're going to be completely isolated. And that is hell. Complete isolation for all of eternity. Are you scared of that? I am. You should be. That's not a good thing. So I'm not scared to come into the presence of God unless I'm holding on to my sin. Right? In fact, the Bible says a broken and contrite spirit God will not despise. If you are a broken person today, if you're like, man, I am a mess up and I am, I am just so like, like hurt and and. And so, like, at the end of myself, you don't have to fear God. God loves that. A broken and a contrite spirit, He will not despise. That's a wonderful approach to God. But if you're like, man, I'm awesome, and I can handle myself, and I want to do things my way, now you should be scared. Because God will do whatever it takes to cure you of that selfish pride. And, and so, this fear thing, if you fear God, you won't fear anything else. And fear in our society and culture is at epidemic levels. Everyone, it, it is 
people bounced from one fear to the next fear. People were scared of the, the virus. Now some people are scared of the vaccine. People are scared of Trump. Now people are scared of Biden. People are scared of Marxists and they're scared of the Black Lives Matter movement. Other people are scared of racists and they're scared of, of the mob. They're, we're scared of tech companies that are, are, are censoring people. We're scared of, we're scared of everything. And you're just gonna bounce from one fear to the next fear Unless you have the rarest fear on earth. And that's the fear of God. If you fear God, you don't fear anything else. If Abram feared people more than he feared God, he never would have left. And the world would be poorer because of it. If the disciples feared Jesus more than they feared the waves, you know, in the center of your fear, where the circumstances that you're most scared about, Jesus is sleeping in the stern. And, and he's got it. Now, I know emotionally, you, you can't necessarily overcome that emotional fear, but you can have the mental trust and reassurance to say, okay, I'm feeling really scared, but I know, I know I don't have to be scared because God's with me and I can trust him. And he loves me. And because I fear God, I don't have to fear anyone or anything else. And, and this will affect your prayer life in a really powerful way. Put your faith in the who, not in the what. So if you pray, and because our, our fear and our faith are tied together. So you, whatever you're putting your faith in drives your fear. So if I'm putting my faith in my wife then the thing that I'm most scared of is that she will be taken from me or leave me. If, I'm, if, if I am putting my faith in my kids, then what scares me the most is my kids maybe abandoning me or making bad decisions. If I put my faith in me, maybe my intellect or my abilities or talents, then what scares me the most is if I'm starting to develop Alzheimer's and I'm losing my mind. Or I'm in a car accident and I'm losing my mobility and my independence. Because my faith was in me. My biggest fear is that I will lose that. And this is where if you have your faith in God, if you put your faith in all those other things, you should be scared. Because they can be taken away from you like that. You have no control. But if your faith is in God, you have nothing to be scared of. Because he will always love you. You can always trust him. He will always be smarter than you. And you can, you can trust him. So put your faith in the who, not in the what. And so when I pray, if I put my faith, so I really need a job. And so I'm putting my faith in getting this job. And then they, they call me in and they're like, no, you, can't, you don't get the job. Or you don't get the promotion. What do I do then? I prayed about it and... Well, if my faith was in the job, then I'm devastated. But if my faith was in God, then I think, that's okay. God has something else for me. We have a number of people with cancer in our church right now that I'm praying for. And I'm not going to name all of them, but here's some of them. Um, Mary Zinzavich has cancer, going through chemo treatments. Um, Mary Clinton has cancer. Um, Bruce Cordy, 
has cancer. Jesse Wells has cancer. Deb Kessler has cancer. Bob Winterstein has cancer. All of these individuals, others I'm sure that I'm leaving off with cancer. And, and I'm praying for every single one of them for complete healing. They are praying. And, and maybe there's a treatment like Mary's taking chemotherapy. And so you're praying, God made the treatment work. But what if the treatment doesn't work? Well, if my faith is in the treatment, I'm devastated because the treatment didn't work. If my faith is in the what, I'm ruined. But if my faith is in the who, I say, you know what? I can trust God with my life. I can trust God because this world is not my home. I can trust God. Maybe there's another treatment. Maybe there isn't. But my faith isn't in the treatment. My faith isn't in the job. My faith isn't in that person that I thought God wanted me to marry and now they've moved on to someone else. Or my, my faith is in God. And I don't have to fear anything else. Two questions to talk about as you leave. Maybe if you're watching online with those you're watching with or give someone a call. Two questions. Number one, what... Right now, do you think you're 51% or more sure that God wants you to do and you've not been doing it? And you need to step out and do it and you're just waiting for 100%. Is there anything like that in your life? Talk about that with someone afterward and, and make a commitment to make that step. And, and then the second question I just want to challenge you with is um, what are you afraid of? What scares you more than God here today? And whatever that is, you, you need to give that over to God. Maybe it's your kids and your son checked himself into a rehab center and two days later he checked himself out and he's headed in the wrong direction and you had your faith in that rehab center and in that program and now, now what, what can you put your faith in? Cleared in God, what are you scared of? I'm scared of losing this person who's so important to me and I, I just love him or I love her. What are you scared? You need to fear God. Put that in God's hands and trust him. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the baby faith that's growing inside of each and every one of us. God, I just, I just ask that you would help us to take steps out in our maybe faith as well. That we would trust you even with this uncertainty that we have. Even when we don't really know it's you that's speaking. We can't be sure. God, help us to trust you. And help us to fear God. More than financial problems. More than another person. More than cancer. More than this disease. God, help us to fear you and to trust you as we go from here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.